Benfica Podcast is one of the founding partners or founding projects of Benfica Independent. Uh, BenficaIndependent.com is a site where you can find tons and tons of content. Our podcast included Brinco do Batista, Benfica FM, along with uh, uh, audio uh, recaps uh, of games, a lot of podcasts about modalidade, if that's your thing and you want to keep up uh, with the modalidade, but you really don't have the time uh, on your schedule to watch the Modalidades on BTV. You can now catch the recaps and also Modalidades talk on Befig Independent, along with a lot of uh, uh, opinion articles, uh, all independent, everyone with their own opinion. There's no agenda between uh, Befig uh, Independent. The only thing is that we just want what's best uh, for the club. Uh, Befig Independent is also on Patreon with two levels of support, one at two and one at five. Uh, and I believe the five gets you some uh, free swag. So uh, if you like the content and if you like what's produced on there, uh, please do support us uh, by going to uh, patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talk to the Dog Benfica podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumaças, as always, with me. Cristiano Oliveira, como é que é, amigo? Tudo bem contigo? What's going on, everybody? Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, all that good stuff like my boy Pete on Benfica FM. Bom, bom dia, boa tarde, boa noite para todos. Um, welcome to another edition of Benfica Podcast. Glad that you're able to join us. Um, and we're going to keep it positive, guys. You know how it is. Positive 2021, baby. That's right. Uh, also uh, with us, Dave the Oliveira, as always. Dave, what's happening? Nothing much. Power of positivity, like Cristiano says, two games to recap, two victories to recap. So uh, let's get the show started here. Rock and roll on episode 393, which is what we're up to. We will look back at the, the Tondela game, uh, which happened uh, this past weekend. We'll also look uh, back at Strela, uh, Club Football Strela. Uh, let me just say that correctly, uh, which was the Portuguese Cup game that happened uh, yesterday as we record this. We apologize for not recording yesterday, but uh, there was a couple things going on. Didn't watch the game. Didn't feel it was fair to come here and, and talk about the game without watching it. So here we are today on Wednesday. Let's get right into the action. Uh, Benfica versus Tondela at Stadio Luz. Vlaco Dimas in goal. Gilberto Otamendi, Vertonghen and Grimaldo. Weigel and Pizzi in the middle. Everton on one side, Rafa on the other. Seferovic and Darwin uh, was the lineup that JJ uh, picked uh for this uh, for this game, um, I thought that the the first half was was somewhat decent by Benfica, uh, creating at least a, a couple very obvious good chances. Uh, one of them by uh, Darwin. I forget who the, the other one uh, was, but uh, two good chances by oh um, was it Seferovic? Might have been Seferovic. We were, we were just watching the the recap together. 
uh, here. I don't even. I don't it's even already gone through my mind already. <laughs> and Dave, he threw us under the bus. Like I forgot about everybody. too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sferovic. Sferovic got a header in the first half and another attempted back heel um, from was it Gilberto? I forget. Who no, it was. That, uh, no, no, no. Okay, this is what it was. It was Gilberto on that volley by himself. Uh, on an Otamendi service. And then Darwin would have turned around shot that the goalkeeper did, did well to, to parry it away. Uh, those were the really two clear chances. Oh, that, the, that header, had. the header. The header. The header. I remember the header. Okay. Well, you apparently you weren't watching. You weren't paying attention. The header by Sferovi. And there was also another play that being – I forget. I, I can't recall who the player was. Might have been Rafa. I don't know. Went straight to down to the line in the box and cuts it back and whomever tries to back heel it and back heels. It was Darwin. It was Darwin. Okay. That was one of the, I think that was fancy, the first chance. Fancy little flick and he uh, flicked it wide. Yeah. But you know, I, I thought that, uh, you know, they, they, they control the game. They had most of the possession. Uh, Tondela just uh, decided to stuff the middle and just occupy that, that center of, uh, of the park. Um, and I, I thought that there was a, there was a couple good things, a couple positives that I could take out of this uh, out of this first half. There's there's some automatisms that I'm that I'm seeing in terms of got the way guys are moving to get the ball, uh, and this is something that several people have complained about, especially uh, players saying that. Uh, sometimes there's no passing lanes uh, because the, the plays are too static up front or in the final third. But I, I saw some things. I saw some things that uh, that I had that left me excited about what we could build. Uh, nonetheless, we're, we're playing against Tondela, and Tondela never really, uh, never really uh, posed the threat to us. Um, Stianu, Weigel and Pizzi in the middle um, are are. Our, our, our boy, uh, or should I say your boy, uh, Tarapt has been going through a, a, an extremely rough spell uh, in terms of, of form. He hasn't done well. Things haven't gone well for him. Um, and he's struggling a couple games. And it seems that uh, he's lost now the position to uh, to Pizzi. And I wouldn't be surprised if Pizzi plays uh, at the Dragão in the middle with the Weigel. Uh, on the other hand, you got Weigel that seems to have cemented that spot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, picking it up with Weigel, I think he's finally convinced JJ or JJ just realized they didn't have anybody else. So here we go. I'm going to throw you out there. And he just decided to stick with him lately. As far as that opt, yeah, absolutely, man. The guy's been absolutely brutal since he's returned from COVID. Um, I defend him as much as I can, but obviously his play, <laughs> there's nothing to defend over the last few weeks. Uh, so PZ takes over. PZ's a guy that... I can't believe we. Uh, I'm gonna head down this road again. But a guy that we praise on this podcast, <laughs> where in years past we weren't exactly his biggest fans, but this season it seems like again I, I'm being repetitive, but it's a fact. Every time he's involved, um, there's either a goal being scored or a goal opportunity being created or an assist coming out of his feet. And uh, I think right now, after where are we at now? We're in January, right? So after what five, six months yeah. of, of JJ being around and, and getting to know this squad, uh, you know, finally PZ it seems to have convinced them. Or again, very similar situation regarding uh, Vigo that everybody else that's had an opportunity to play that position has just hasn't taken advantage of it, and he went back to old reliable. And uh, credit to PZ. Um, you know, didn't have an exceptional game by any stretch of the imagination, but 
you know, Pizzi Jacnesa Casa, he knows, he knows, yeah. knows everyone. He's very familiar with everybody. Uh, I, I know we question his, his leadership um, in the locker room, but on the field, I think guys rely on him and he knows exactly what buttons to push with the rest of his teammates. So, you know, it, it's good to see him out there. Um, as long as Bifi keeps winning, man, to be brutally honest with you. Yeah, I would like to see certain guys, but three points is all that matters. I don't care who's out there. Yeah, I mean, in terms of, of defending, which is something that we always spoke about, that both of those guys need to defend in the system, I think that neither Pizzi or Tarap offer much uh, defend, uh, defending. Uh, but what I what I do think that Pizzi brings, uh, he brings some more of that safety in terms of keeping the ball uh, with criteria, uh, more consistent with passes. Tarap is more of a... Uh, I don't, and I don't know if this is the right word, the kamikaze type of guy where there, there's a lot of risks that are taken. And of course, when those balls go through are, are, are balls that are that are really dangerous balls to put guys uh, through in the final third. Uh, but certainly uh, is a guy that when is dispossessed or when he loses on a pass like that. He, he leaves the team unbalanced in terms of the defensive transition. So I think that right now, maybe JJ is, is going for the guy that will guarantee him uh, perhaps the most safety in terms of keeping the ball, in terms of having that criteria and, and passing ability. And I think that that PT brings that. I still think that defensively it doesn't really bring much to the team, but when you're playing against the Mancus and Dave, Manco Master, uh, here's here's our boy Pizzi. Here's our boy Pizzi. Well, not we won't get too ahead of ourselves because we don't. We definitely are not playing Mancus the rest of the uh, the month here. But yeah, against these smaller clubs uh, like Tondela. But as of recently, uh, Tondela has been giving us a, a struggle as of late. But uh, good to see uh, Pizzi link up there in the the midfield with um, Vigel. I know there's a lot of talk this that came out uh, this past weekend about uh, a potential William Carvalho coming uh, to Benfica on loan there. So um, I don't know if JJ is totally convinced with Weigel in that uh, sixth position, or like Chris says, he's there for the time being because really we don't have anybody, anybody else to play in that position. So uh, time will tell how, uh, how convinced JJ is with uh, Weigel playing in that, uh, that role. Yeah, uh, second half uh, started. Mifiga gets on the board in the 54th minute uh, via Seferovic. Uh, uh, a nice tap in after Darwin cross. Seventh goal for Seferovic uh, this uh, this season. Uh, and I think that I heard uh, today that he in the last goal that he the last goal that he scored against Tondela, uh, he tied his tally for for uh, for last year. Uh, I don't know if I'm. If That's I'm confirmed. Correct. That's confirmed. Yeah, he had. He's already scored uh, the same amount of league goals as he's uh, as he did all of last season. Um, Everton out in the 69th minute, and and Cristiano. That's probably the earliest I've ever seen Everton being pulled out of a game. Good, good. <laughs> Look, you needed to be fresh. Uh, in case the great uh, Strela de Madura, I'm still going to continue calling him Strela de Madura. In case the great Strela de Madura showed up for the Taça Portugal game, so I need to make sure. He's super, Strela. super Strela. Super Strela. Super um, Strela. Nah, but look, it, it well deserved. I mean, look, we've talked about it here on the podcast over the last couple of weeks how, how 
we don't know if it's gas fatigue. We don't we don't know if it's just him still hasn't getting adopted, haven't hasn't gotten adopted to to JJ or Portugal, whatever it was. But this is you know it's one of those that if JJ could bring another guys to give him a, a couple of minutes and give this guy a breather, I think it helps everybody involved. Cristiano, did you know that Everton is the player that has played the most minutes this season for Benfica with? 1,761 minutes behind him, Hafa and Walshmit, second and third, respectively. Who's uh, everything. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I the guys played. What was it? Let's see if I make my math right, Dave. You're gonna have the stats if you don't have them. I'm pretty sure you could pop them up later and put we'll post on the podcast. I believe he's played it well leading up to this game, right. All up to Tudela. He played in 21 or 23 of Benfica games, or he started in 21 or 23 Benfica games, something like that. I mean, 22 or 23. I'm sorry, 22 or 23, if I'm not mistaken. So, well, I mean, right, not, right now sorry. it's 23 of 25. So, he didn't play against uh, Estrella. Okay, that's what I'm saying. So, then going that's 22 of 23. So, <laughs> I stand corrected. Um, like I said, uh, he needed a breather, and I'm glad he got it. Uh, and just in case he needed to be strong for the super. Uh, I don't care. I know. I know guys on Twitter are going to be upset if the, the fact checkers, whatever you want to call them, but I'm going to continue calling Stirl Amador. Yeah. Um, in the second half, Mifika uh, gave up a, a little bit of room to Tondela. Tondela actually had a, a very good chance in which uh, Odysseus or Vlako Dimas makes a, an extremely good save at, at a time that the game was still 1 uh, 1. Uh, then we also had that goal that was called back for offside that pre- that uh, in which a uh, handball preceded that the goal. And we were just discussing this, Cristiano, the goal itself went to VAR. But during the VAR <laughs> review, they could not pull that handball uh, and call that handball for Benfica. Brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you know, I'm, I'm the positive Cristiano, right? Politically correct Cristiano 2021. But it, it, it's hard to see some of these things in Portuguese football where, uh, you know, Benfica scores that goal by Sferovic, as we mentioned earlier. The, the, the thing that the referee went to bar for like literally 22 minutes and 32 seconds to see if they could find the fly on someone's shoulder to see if some to find a reason to call this goal offside. And then when it comes to uh, you fast forward 15, 20 minutes or whatever what was it? 15 minutes later to this particular play where there is a clear handball on, on, on a shot by uh, Luca Walsh, uh, the, the, the defender midfielder, whatever it was the Tondela player in the box with his hand nowhere near his side attached to his body, his hand, you know, just chillaxing ball clearly takes a deflection, changes direction. I don't know in what league that's not a penalty, but I can guarantee you whatever league Benfica is playing in, that's not a penalty. And then they go to VAR for however amount of time, and and they just decide to, you know what? Let's just completely ignore that. That did not happen. You know that handball. You guys are blind. And it's just it, it's gotten it's getting to a point where it's, you know, it, it's starting to be annoying, irritating. There's a lot of other words I could use on here, but I I choose not to in case you guys are in a car listening with your kids. Um, it, it's just disappointing. It's just really is disappointing in Portuguese football that we're in 2021. And there's still people in the game being influenced so easily by God knows, you know, by God knows who or for what reasons. But you could definitely tell that certain teams are reft 
differently than other teams. And, you know, and it's one of those old stories, right? If you tell a lie over and over and over and over, eventually people will start to believe you, right? There's the the theory that Benfica owns everyone and everybody, but yet the so-called teams that we own, right? We keep slipping up against. Just look at the past results against those teams is either draws or losses. Uh, we own the referee. Yeah, we don't. I mean, zero penalties for there's a there's a a fact since Sporting started call started crying about penalty. They they, they got five at least. Porto said said demanded more penalties. They've they've, they've got like what, nine and 13 games or whatever it may be. Benfica needs to start crying. I mean, Rigosta, I love you. My idol. Brother, let man. You know, bring an onion in your pocket, smell it, cry a little bit, do what you gotta do. But Benfica needs to start complaining. This is just ridiculous that you have clear, clear handballs in back-to-back games. I was crying about it and bitching about it in the pre- previous game in Santa Clara. There was a clear handball that just people turn a blind eye. You get a tackle in the box, everything gets tackled in the box in the by the by the goalkeeper. Nobody sees it. It's just like today, in today's football, at least in Port, you can do whatever the hell you want to be FICA players because the referee is going to turn a blind eye. And it just, it's despicable. I had this argument, you know, in, in, in text messaging with, with other groups of fans and stuff like that. You know, and it people are trying to tell me that there's no way because, you know, the body, but, but, but bro, I don't give a crap who you are. I don't care what team you root for. The fact of the matter is Alfredo and Dave, you guys know this. If this was Sporting or Porto, same exact play, I'd be telling that's a penalty. I'm not saying it's Benfica. I'd be telling that's that is a clear penalty. I don't know how they miss it. Yeah, he turns his body, uh, turns his turns his arms along with his body, uh, and the ball clearly hits his hits his arms. I don't know what the what the call was on that, and I, I would love to be able to to listen to the VAR conversations. Uh, and I think that would be a, a great public service. Uh, we just had the example of uh, the VAR and the Libertadores between uh, Palmeiras and uh, River Plate that they have published all the conversations between the officials during those VAR controversial calls. Well, I don't know if they were controversial, but during the VAR calls, which they absolutely got right, uh, they published all those conversations. And I think that for transparency's sake, Let's have those conversations published by uh, by the referees. Where, what do you got to hide? I mean, are you afraid that people are going to criticize you for the way that you interpret a certain play? You're a referee. You're an interpreter. You know the laws. Uh, you shouldn't be afraid to uh, to divulge those conversations. That's all I'm saying. But anyway, um, Luca Walshmidt closed it out in the 94th minute uh, to nothing with an assist from Darwin. Uh, again, that was on the hands, Alfredo. That goal came literally two seconds after Vlaco Dimo stood on his head. Let's not forget that. No. So, it, no, we're not going to forget. I'm going to tell you. Stood on his head, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you because I I actually wrote down the minutes in the 86th minute. Vlaco Dimos makes that save. In the 87th minute, we had the goal called. For the for the one that we were just talking about, the, the hands, and then in the ninety fourth minute, that's when Wall Smith scores the 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 two nothing. Oh, you messed up my head. Then you know what the 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 recap we watched before it looked like it was right after that play. So yeah, well, we were watching the recap. <laughs> one play, one play comes right after the other. <laughs> it would have slid, man. It would have passed by. 
Yeah. Again, in the 90, 90, even after the 94th minute, JJ is making three substitutions, Samaris, Pudrinho, and Chiquinho coming in for Weigel, Pizzi, and, and Rafa. And that, that, that already classic move by JJ, those, uh, those, that triple substitution at the end of the game, which is, which is beautiful. It's just to say that, uh, oh, vai lá perdendo sujo calções, pá. Senão não te pagamos. Hey, look, you can't say JJ don't give guys an opportunity. <laughs> I don't want to hear this. <laughs> but um, um, the, definitely the first half was was much better. But the, the one thing that 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 I noticed um, in the second half was uh, despite Tondela growing, growing a little bit in the game, I thought that Benfica was a little bit more intense in terms of uh, the tackling, the the pressing, the pressing, the the marking. I thought that they had a little bit more sense of urgency, obviously because they've been called out so many times for sleeping in the second half. That I think that now they know that they have to continue with the intensity and the press, uh, and not to allow teams into uh, into the game. Um, let me get your guys' opinion. At the end of the game, Otamendi, who was voted uh, player of the game, and I thought that him, both him and Vertonghen were at a very good level uh, in this game. Uh, Otamendi just said that that we realize that we haven't been doing all that well. We're, we're working, but we also have to work uh, to change the mentality to a winning mentality. Dave, what, what do you make of that, man? I mean, a guy that was extremely criticized and it's probably still to this day being criticized because he was a former Porto player and he was signed by Benfica old guy Manchester City didn't want him he's starting to be a pillar in this defense and a guy that brings consistent performances uh every week and now you got this guy as a leader in the locker room stepping up and saying we have to change our mentality to a winning mentality yeah, I don't know if it was Cristiano last week that uh, called him uh, an outsider per se as one of these guys that are coming into the team uh, new this this season. But it's going to take some of these guys that aren't a, a part of the, the core squad of the past pre, uh, previous seasons um, to to shake it up and to to fix the mentality on this team because we've seen not to beat a dead horse here, but we've all questioned Pizzi, Rafa, and those those type of players' mentality and, and leadership on this uh, team, especially how last season ended. So it's good to see that uh, Otamendi came out and, and said those uh, those comments publicly about changing the mentality on this team because everybody everybody knows how we we folded up uh, last year and packed it up, uh, and it it. It's good to see that veteran experience and hopefully it brushes off on some of uh, the younger guys that we have on the team. And, and maybe it does change the, the mentality for the, the whole core of the team going forward, especially with a big game coming up this week. Look, at the very least, he's got the cojones to speak up on behalf of the team and, and not just speak up, but speak the truth. It shows that he's a leader. And the one thing is many criticize JJ for giving him the armband, the captain's armband. And look, he's performing. And he's speaking up like like a true leader, so it's to be commendable. I mean, for a guy that's that that's that that's gotten so much crap since he's arrived at Benfica because of his ties to Porto, it'll be very interesting to see what he does, uh, how or how he plays at the, uh, you know, at the Dragon uh, on, on Friday because this guy has been what we need more of over the last couple of weeks. 
Yeah, uh, I think it's uh, it's refreshing. And if you're watching the game, um, you could clearly hear his voice of of command, uh, basically directing guys all over the field uh, to properly position themselves, to properly mark. Uh, just just listen listen for his voice, man. And it's it's very clear uh, that his his voice is is one of authority and, and of uh, of leadership. Which is which is great for Benfica because we've been clamoring here that Benfica is, is losing is, is has lost leadership throughout the past couple seasons and it seems that that there's guys that are emerging now as leaders. The I, irony behind it is it's it's that guy that came from Porto. That's the irony behind it. But nonetheless, uh, you know, I think that we all welcome uh, a voice of of leadership and, and a presence and a guy that's going to. Uh, set the example for the rest of his teammates. Um, three points. That's all we really care about uh, at this point. And especially in this month of January, we, we need all the points that we could grab. Um, just, uh, Dave, some, some stats on this game, and then we could move on. I wanted to ask you guys something real quick. Yeah, just a quick stat here. It was Benfica's first clean sheet uh, in four games, their last one before that coming uh, against Gilles Vicente on uh, December 20th. So we've grown accustomed to uh, death taxes and Benfica conceding goals. So it's good to see that Benfica uh, pick up the clean sheet uh, against Londela. Dave, did you know that Benfica has scored 10 goals in the Portuguese Cup and has yet to allow any goals? I did not know that. You stumped me on that one, Alfredo. Well, now you know. Did you um, know? Have we played anybody? Okay. <laughs> 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 well, we got Vila Franquense, Paredes. Uh, Club Football Estrela. Now we got either either Faf or or Besat coming up. But before we get into the the cup, I don't team, like being called Besat. There's another name. What, what do you call him? Code City. Code City. I like that name better. Code City. <laughs> uh, Comporta. Uh, let me uh, let me just run this by you uh, by you guys and see how you guys what your thoughts are behind it. Um, do you guys feel that these long drawn out um transfer novellas if you want to call it uh things that just get drawn out doesn't don't get confirmed do you, do you think this this serves as a destabilizer to the team uh, especially for players whose counterparts or whose players are coming in are the ones for for their positions for example uh Virissim, where where does this leave ferro the fact that you know we've ch we've chased Verissim so hard, and apparently he's joining us after the Copa Libertadores final, which is the thirtieth of of January. They make uh, it. Yeah, they they're playing. Well, they they play today? they're done. Oh, yeah. it's over today. Palmeiras oh. and Santos will be playing the will be okay. playing the the, so, yeah. the final. Um, but you got Verissim with Ferro. You got uh, Pinho. Uh, which is the dude from from Maritim, which apparently we we signed, but is only joining us next uh, next uh, season. But there was also talk that JJ might even want him in January. And then there's come. There's still 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 yeah. possible. It's yeah. not close yet. So, and and also then uh, William Carvalho and and Weigel. Uh, I mean, in in terms of of Ferro, I don't blame the guy for wanting to get out. But how, how do you think this plays out in terms of disrupting and i don't want to say destabilizing but disrupting a little bit of the concentration and maybe some of the harmony that's being felt right now if there's such a thing as harmony in that locker room 
Chris, what are you asking me? Yeah, let's both of you guys. I'm gonna give you a hard line on this. Uh, be brutally honest. That that's that's the price you pay to play big boy soccer. All right. This is why they tell you you should always be at your best. Concentrate. Always be into your job. Do the very best that you could possibly do. So you don't. So teams and club, whatever, coach don't want to replace. The fact of the matter is, big boy soccer. If you're not playing at your best, there's always going to be the threat that you lose your spot to someone else. It sucks. Uh, we all like Ferro. I hope that Ferro um, is not the odd man out. Um, to be brutally honest, as much as I love Jardel, it makes more sense to let him go a 35-year-old as opposed to a 23-year-old, 24-year-old. But I doubt that's going to happen. Ferro looks like he is the odd man out. But it, it, it's, it's football. It's football. It's a business. We all understand that it's a business, that players come and go, and uh, you're only as good as your last game. And Dave, you got the example. And I think that, that Ferro and Gonzalo Ramos are kind of in the same same boat, right? Um, both young players, both players that got promoted from the B team at, at some point, Ferro uh, sooner than, than Gonzalo Ramos. But with uh, with Pinho coming in, where is this leave Gonzalo Ramos? Or, or are we already anticipating Seferovic being sold for 30 million? No, if anything, we got to keep Seferovic and sell our, our million dollar boy there, uh, Darwin. But this Pinho signing. Yes, he's having a great season so far, but it, I don't I don't see how it makes sense with this team. We don't play with last time I checked, we don't play with three, four strikers at the uh, the exact same time there. So by the time he joins us next year, he's going to be 30, 30 years old. It's not a player that Benfica can necessarily make money on like they've been uh, doing it in previous years. So I'm wondering if this is going to be one of those um, classic signings where they they buy the guy get the picture with the, the, uh, the Jersey and then never, never gets to play with the, uh, the club. Cause this Pino signing just doesn't make sense uh, for me in terms of um, the only disruption that we could possibly see would be the, the Weigel and uh, William Carvalho, just because Weigel has been getting some run there at the, uh, the sixth position. But in terms of everything else, I don't see much disruption. Um, if we bring any guys in, uh, just from based on the current rumors that are out there right now. Yeah. And Cristiano, we traded a couple of messages on, on William Carvalho, uh, in which the media was reporting that there was going to be uh, an imminent deal. Um, from Benfica, it, it seems that I read today that that is already a closed issue, that William is not coming. Um, and we just, you and I discussed that at the, possibility of William coming because of we're on the eve of the Euro and maybe he knows that he's going to get playing time with JJ and, and, and further cement a place in, in the 11 for Fernand Santos. What, what do you uh, what do you make of that? Do you, do you think that Weigel is finally molding to what JJ wants or you think that there's still some a piece that JJ wants for that midfield? I think as long as the transfer window is open that uh, there's no certainties as far as what Benfica says and William, I think everyone's in play until the transfer closes, transfer window closes. Um, Weigel has had his ups and downs. I still don't think he's what JJ wants as a six. Um, so I think, again, they'll be looking for, for, for any player that suits JJ's style all the way until the, the, the clock strikes midnight um, when the transfer window closes. As far as a uh, uh, being you just just to answer Dave, I mean Dave, he's he's very cheap. He's a quality goal scorer, guy that's scoring goals at will on, on a smaller club. So you think he with a little bit of better 
crew around him, he could potentially even improve um, his play. Um, doesn't cost Benfica much. And Benfica last time, they, they got themselves a 30-year-old striker who previously played in Marítimo, who came over, became a team. I don't want to call him a legend, but, you know, and us fans, we absolutely adore the guy. So, um, you know, in Lima. And so I think maybe, maybe you know, strikes twice. Maybe we strike twice and this is a positive signing. I think JJ is going to still try to bring him in now. Um, and if they do, then that's where the Gonzalo Ramos of the world, that's where you start, you know, to, to, to get concerned about him. Maybe he gets demoted to the B team. But the fact of the matter is in the world that we live in today with with injuries, obviously, that's 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 part of everyday football. Right. No matter the year, no matter the consequences. But then you throw in COVID, you throw in the pandemic. Look, It's never it, it, it's never too. How do I put it? It's never too much to have too many options. All right. It's never overkill to have too many options. Right? But that's in a position that we already have a, an abundance. We, we how many four. times have we talked in this on this podcast? Hey, of- we got four strikers. I mean, you're gonna like the other guy is Ferreira. Who would you rather have, Ferreira or or, or Pino on the bench? That's the other. Guy. I mean, I said Ramos. Maybe Ferreira's the odd man out. Right. Yeah, how many how many podcasts we talk about that we we need uh, more depth on our uh, either left back right back like Here. and it seems like we always keep on buying these strikers strikers it just it's nice and shiny to buy the the striker but that's not uh, a position of need uh, of depth at the moment. That's a fair point, but can you name a player of Binu's caliber that's available probably this cheap, right? That's willing to come for for a bag of balls and a couple of pennies. I mean, that's the problem for a, for a free transfer. Yes. But to bring him in right now at uh, in January, do we is, he, is he a lot, that... though, Dave? Dave, he could be the difference between Benfica really seeing things all the way through in domestic competitions. So why not? I mean, for let's just say two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars. Right. Uh, euros. It, it's not worth it's not worth the risk. This guy could be the difference in Benfica winning the Tasa Portugal, right? Or winning the, the Tasa de Cerveja because it, it, it gives JJ the luxury of rest. I don't know about Tasa Cerveja. That's in like next week, but you know, Tasa, but it gives JJ the luxury of resting Darwin, right? It, it, and now he, those guys are fresher for the long haul in, in, in the Liga North. It, it trickles down. So again, if Benfica could get themselves a, a, a player just as good as, as Pino for right back for 300000 go for it. I, then I'm with you, Dave. But if they're passing up on that opportunity to get themselves a left back, to get themselves a right back, to get themselves a, a, a number six for $300,000 that could come in today and play today. Like Pinu could, Pinu could play on this team. If Benfica could do that, and they're saying, you know what, now nah, we're good, we're gonna go get Pinu. Then Dave, I'm with you. Then the Benfica, whoever's running the operation, is clueless. But there may, there may, might not be that option available. You get me, Dave? So in this case, it's totally different when Benfica's going out and getting a striker for six million, right? Because we could use that six million elsewhere. But 300000 where are you going to get a player that caliber for 300000 I'm not saying there isn't because I'm pretty sure somebody listening to this come up with their uncle's cousin's aunt, right, that plays in some unknown campeonato. But fact is, this guy is a proven goal scorer that's going to be relatively cheap to pluck away from Maritimo. I just don't see, you know, where this is really going to hold Benfica back, Dave, and solidifying the mother more positions that, the mother positions that were in more need of help today. Yeah, and not to mention that uh, in, in terms of uh, finances, um, it makes all the sense, like like Stiano said. What it doesn't make sense, and, and this is not official word, is that Benfica is apparently given him a, a five-year contract and at, uh, at 30 years old, 
I don't know how that's going to play out, but we'll wait for official word. But that, that was Alfredo, if they're paying them uh, 150,000, which is not probably be a little bit more, but if they're paying 300,000 a year. I, and I'm sick of this because that's more like it was going to be first team salary. You know, it's, if it's like one of those, I'm going to give a 35 year, a 30 year old, uh, five year contract at a, at a 1.5 million. And then you're like, what the, but we'll see. Look, we'll but see. Yeah, but now you're blocking a spot for Gonzalo Ramos also. It doesn't mean Alfredo. It doesn't mean he's going to stay five years. No, it doesn't. But what, it doesn't what also it, mean it, that Darwin and Walshman are going to be here next year either. Darwin, Darwin's gone. I tell you right now, Darwin's gone next year. He's not. The only way Darwin comes back is if 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 the pandemic really, really, you know, with all these lockdowns going on throughout Europe now and even here in the North America, if the lockdown gets really. It gets even uglier than what we've seen. And we see that this thing spread even worse. And then teams can't even play the remaining of their seasons because obviously they're still getting that money from TV deals. If it really affects that, then that's the only way I think Darwin, Darwin might be back next summer if teams don't have the money to go and get themselves a player because Benfica is going to demand a lot of it. Now, if teams, if let's just say we expect with the with the vaccines and da, 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 we hope that things start to to get normalized a little bit, you know, more than what we've seen of late. I, I think there's no shot that he's coming back. So Pino will be a third, you know, third, fourth, third, fourth option. I don't think it's bad. And look, Ramos, as we talked about Ferro, just come out there and play. Come out there, play every week, take advantage of your opportunities. Right. We talk about young players getting promoted from the from the main squad to from the say to Benfica, right? Ferro, when he first got called up, you guys recall my man, my man held that position. That was it. It was a wrap. Ruben Diaz got a few opportunities. That was it. Never let go again. Joan Felix never let it go. Renato, all the guys that have been successful, that have been promoted from the B team, have all grabbed their opportunities by the horns. We haven't, and I know it's only been five, six opportunities. We get it, but we haven't seen. It didn't take Ferro six opportunities. It didn't take Diaz. It didn't take Renato. It didn't take Felix. It, you know, and I get it. Different teams, different different expectations. Different, JJ's different coach. More, that's why I just said. JJ's a little bit more more demanding in certain areas. I get it. But look, let's let's just see. Let's If he comes up and he plays and he does what he has to do, I, I think everybody makes this thing about JJ and, and Portuguese players or, or, or say Shao players. I think at the end of the day, he if Gonzalo Ramos comes up and scores, right, and does what he has to do, is, is a threat in every game. That's what he wants. I don't think he's rooting against it. It, it, it goes back to a tweet I sent out this weekend when Sferovic, no, against not this weekend, yesterday against uh, Maduro, when Sferovic scored. And I said, look, the guy that everybody's always, you know, ripping on is the guy that leads the team in goals and while all the pretty boys do nothing, right? And I think if, if Ramos comes up, Starts getting them in, even as ugly as Ferrovic, right? Getting them in. I think he's going to get his chance. Yeah. We shall see. I just, um, you know, I just wanted to ask you guys what you thought about uh, in terms of these long drawn out uh, transfer stories and how that affects the the guys that might be uh, right now on vying for a spot or even some some playing minutes. And now all of a sudden they say, well, apparently um, – not am not only am I the low guy on the totem pole, but also um they're gonna bring somebody else, which is gonna move me even down further. Uh and Ferro being a young uh player and, and Gonzalo Ramos being a young player also, I kind of uh there's a little bit of um of a thing there that that I feel that I don't know if I'm okay with, but I, I think that I, I agree with you, Cristiano. I think that when you're when JJ is looking at all these players, he, he's not looking 
Uh, and he said this, he has said this before, and he said this when he was in Brazil. He doesn't look at age. If you're good enough, you're going to play. Um, so, uh, like you said, these guys need to take advantage of their chances. I just wish that they had a, a little bit more chances than, than what they currently have. And with these guys coming, certainly their chances that they were getting are going from zero to, to none. Uh, so we shall see. Um, Benfica played the Estrela da Amadora, and, and guys that usually don't get chances got chances against Estrela da Amadora. I'll give you the lineup or, or, or Club Futebol Estrela. I don't, I, I don't care uh, if I say Estrela da Amadora. Uh, Gonçalves was on the right. Uh, Todibu, Jardel, Tavares were in front of Helton. Uh, Samaris and Tarapt, uh, Pedrinho, and uh, who was the other winger? Remember? Yeah. Had to be Chiquinho, wasn't it? Chiquinho, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Sorry. I uh, Chiquinho was so out of position that I forgot all about Chiquinho. Hey, bro, um, like, but yeah. afraid, he only scored two goals. I mean, I could have <laughs> easy to forget about him. That's right. <laughs> but he played on the left. I don't think I've ever seen Chiquinho play on the left. I've seen him play on the right, but I've never seen him play on the left. Um, Samaris and, and Tarapt in, in this game were, were absolutely awful. I think that at, at one point they were both occupying the same spaces in that in that midfield. Um, and yes, these guys are getting chances, but there's there's clearly guys on here that I don't even know if they should be on this team. Tavares continues to, uh, I don't know, it, it just irks me, man. And I don't have anything against the the guy. I just don't. I just don't think that he has the talent to play uh, for my Bifika team at least. Um, but one one of the guys that um, that really stood out in this game was Padrinho. And I don't know if it's because um, he keeps growing in confidence or it's because he, he's playing against a, a team uh, that's that's in a lesser division. After all, Estrela is in the Portuguese third division. But really, I liked, uh, I liked Padrinho. Um, Cristiano, what did you think of Toribo? Or Todibo? Todibo, I, I thought, look, considering it's his first game in like 10 years, I, I thought he did all right. I mean, he had a couple of mishaps, a couple of bad passes, bad decisions, but um, he did. I thought he, you know, he, he made a case for himself that uh, he's another option case. JJ needs to turn to him. Um, <laughs> we just talked about Ferro, and I don't want to throw another guy in front of Ferro, but, uh, you know, again, I thought he made a case that he could possibly get some minutes when uh, when, when need be. Yeah, no, I I thought I felt that he was um, calm, calm yeah, I, and and collected. Uh, like I said, Alfredo, when we talked about it the day we got him, this is a player that's playing on the French U twenty one national team. That team is stacked. It's better than a lot of other countries' main squads. This is a player that's played at Barcelona. Even though he's got didn't get a lot of minutes, he's still there, still around Messi, still around Suarez. The the pressure, he, that atmosphere. This is a game. In an empty Estrela da Madura, I'm calling Estrela da Madura. In an empty Estrela da Madura stadium, wasn't going to post much, uh, much uh, you know, nervousness on, on a player of his caliber. Um, and again, as I stated before, it was just good to see him back out there. Uh, hopefully, this he could you know build off of this. Uh, don't know how much playing time he's going to get with the addition of of of, of Rismo at the end of the month. We're still yet to see what happens with Ferro. But again, I think he showed uh, to Benfica, to Jorge Zeus, to everyone watching that if if they need him, they could count on him. So it was, I was glad to see that. Yeah, and Dave, uh, sloppy half uh, with uh, with 
that I think it, a lot of it stems from 10 changes, uh, 10 guys that are usually not used to playing uh, together, uh, at least on in official matches, uh, but really a sloppy half that, you know, the, probably the best that we could take out of this, this half is, Uh, the one goal before the half by uh, Shikinu on uh, a Seferovic shot that was parried by the goalkeeper, and, and then uh, Shikinu put it away. What did you think of the first half, man? Well, like you said, sloppy first half. So if we had our first, our first half was a bad half, you know that the second half is going to be the complete opposite. So uh, I came into the second half with uh, some optimism because we know this team can't put two good halves together. So if that first half was our, our bad our bad showing against a third division Portuguese club, then, you know, we were going to come out firing on all cylinders on the, uh, in the second half. And sure enough, that's what happened. Um, just to go back on your Pedrinho point. Yes. It, it's good to see that uh, he had a, a good solid performance though, with it being against a third division club, but on the flip side of that, Nuno Tavares, who was getting beat by a third, the same third division Portuguese club too, that, they were trying to exploit us down his, his, uh, his side there. So you got pros and cons with, uh, with playing these smaller clubs, but it looks like the smaller clubs know where our, our weakness is. I got a question now. because you guys like to ask us. I'll ask in, in your eyes, both of you, right. Has Nuno Tavares progressed or regressed? I think he is. <laughs> I don't know if he's regressed or is he just keeps on showing more it's, and more flaws and teams keep on exploiting him more. I think it's 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 hard to say because we never really we haven't really seen anything consistent from him. Uh, I mean, we've seen yeah, games where yeah, he had all on the defensive end. Oh, that's consistent. <laughs> oh, they, they, that the defensive I mean, that's consistent. That's yeah. con we've seen something consistent from him. the defensive consistency is there consistently bad. <laughs> into the into the into the hot dog stand consistently. We've seen a lot of consist consistency out of him, Alfredo. He keeps that those ball boys busy. That's all I got to say. Uh, one thing I got to say about him is, uh, I, I think he was better on his offside on the right side, right right back than he's at left back. But his yeah, it, it, it's hard to say, man. But it, I I never. And, and, all right, let, let me let me just back up. Right. Um, And, and Cristiano would always, always has his his insights. And uh, before even Tavares burst onto the scene, Cristiano's uh, scouting report on Tavares is that no bueno. Uh, Remember, I'm glad you met because I tell you a lot of things off record, and I'm afraid you guys call me stupid, call me crazy. But then, like I never a year called later, you stupid. You guys, I, you breathe. I see it. I see it. I <laughs> While by while time passes by, I'm telling you, I, I, I was, I, I think I have a piece of advice for you guys, right? Which is, scoot them eyes, you follow them in. That's all. <laughs> go finish, finish. <laughs> you know what my dad used to say: "Quando um burro fala, os outros baixam as orelhas." Pois é, mas, 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 but go ahead, finish your point because I. There's a lot of people that are amped up. And he, look, when he came up, he came as a right back. He scored a beautiful goal against Sporting in a five to nothing victory. Was it five to nothing? Yeah, it was, right? In the, yeah. the Super Tassa? No, no, he scored at the, at the start of the lose. The first pass Ferreira might have been. I forget what the club, but he scored yeah, outside right. the box. And, and a lot of people amped up. And look, I, I, I'll be honest. Alfredo, you just mentioned, I, I told you, no, nothing to brag about, right? 
and even I have been have been you know a little bit disappointed. I expected a little bit better. I expected a little better. But the one guy, the one Tavares, unfortunately, the one Tavares that's supposed to be the real deal. Is the Tavares that got hurt, the midfielder, they call him Rasta. That's his nickname in, in the club. David, right? right? David, that's the, and he's now loaned that Murirense. I don't know what he's done this year. I don't know. But Nothing. he's the guy that I was, that's the guy that was supposed to be the next, I don't want to say this good, but he's the next Renato Sanchez, next pit bull in the midfield. And unfortunately, he got injured in preseason, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if it was yeah. preseason. It was already regular season. No. But he got injured, and that's his, his career for now. At least I think he's been derailed. But out of the three Tavares, that's the kid that, ever, that I was told from day one to keep an eye on. And, uh, you know, two other Tavares, well, him and another Tavares are gone. And then we got this one left. And um, unfortunately, this one looks like he's out there on, on ice skates because defending, he's just been atrocious. Um, I expected a lot better from him. The kid has all the, the physical attributes um, to, to, to do a lot better than what he's done. Um, I don't think we could blame this on coaching. I don't think we blame this on his team. I just think he just has to pick it up himself and he has to play better. Cristiano, picture this. You are... Um, in the box at Stade de Luz, uh, playing a game for Bifiga. Right at Stade de Luz. You are in the middle. You're you're alone, open, at a little bit uh, a little bit higher than the penalty spot, and you're open, and you got the possibility of two guys coming down the line to cross a ball that you could put in the net between. Tavares and Almeida, who do you pick? Almeida. All day. Because Almeida, even if he misses me on the cross, he's going to put it. <laughs> he's going to put it. <laughs> so either way, we're good. Almeida, easy choice. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so if, uh, in the second half, uh, obviously, uh, Strela uh, ran out of gas. Uh, 51. 62-66 uh, were the, the rest of the goals. Seferovic, Chiquinho, uh, and Walshmit. Chiquinho picking up that uh, brace. Uh, Walshmit with, with a nice uh, goal to the right side of the keeper. Uh, Seferovic also. Uh, and like, as Cristiano mentioned, he's a he, monkey, but he keeps uh, scoring. But the amount of goals that he that he that he misses, uh, it's it's. It's nerve-wracking, exasperating uh, <laughs> to see how many goals that man uh, that man misses. But nevertheless, uh, perfectly normal uh, win for for Benfica in terms of uh, of this game against uh, a team that uh, has yet to to lose a game in their in their championship in their uh, in their third level of uh, of the Portuguese uh, uh, league hierarchy, if if uh, if you may. Uh, but certainly very natural win uh, for Benfica. As I already mentioned, that's the next opposition, either uh, Faf or, or uh, Code City or BSAD, however you want to call it. Dave, numbers on this, uh, Strela, so we could uh, move on. Yeah, my boy Seferovic with his 10th uh, of the season is tied with PT uh, for most uh, goals, but he's uh, played way fewer minutes than PT, only starting nine games and coming in as a sub in 11 of those uh, 20 games. Um, and then uh, further to my point against Tondela, so if that was our first uh, clean sheet in four games uh, against Rondella, this has been Fika's uh, first time since uh, October that they've got two consecutive uh, clean sheets. So 
lesser oppositions, but at least uh, I guess we're somewhat uh, shape, uh, uh, shaping up and cleaning up our uh, defensive mishaps, even if they are against a uh, third division uh, side. Right. So uh, up next, <laughs> the game against Porto. It seems as we were just here three weeks ago. Oh, wait, maybe we weren't here three weeks ago talking about this Porto. Um, Xena, what has changed from three weeks ago to uh, to uh, this Friday? It snowed in Madrid or Spain, I shall say, which I don't recall the last time it's happened. What else? Uh, oh, Trump uh, got impeached the second Trump. time. It's not even in people, well, second, third, fourth, but I think every social media platform, any music platform is 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 really uh is banned though. So this is a you know, there's there's plenty. Can we ban is uh, are we coming out tonight saying that Trump is banned from the Benfica podcast? Are we putting that out there uh tonight? No, we're not we're not we're not gonna be like uh Spotify and banner because I mean, you know, Spotify was was afraid that he would listen to the eye of the tiger and he'd come out running. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know what Spotify was afraid of, but we're not going to do it. Maybe if he listens, you know what? Because at first, years ago, Alfredo put on an intro that every time I heard that intro, man, I was ready to take off my shirt and, and you know, and get fired up. So maybe, maybe it's a good idea to ban him from the podcast because if he listens to that intro about Benfica, 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 I think he might get emotional himself. So not a bad idea. But yeah, Alfredo, it's been plenty, plenty that's changed. A lot has changed. Benfica has been at the very least right ugly or not but they've been getting victories um Otamendi has kind of asserted himself he asserted himself in that game um and I think he's really taken the reins of leadership on this team ever since then um PZ's back from COVID the last time he I believe he couldn't play against them uh he's back from COVID so that's that's another body that that's going to we hope um helping Fika in the midfield and as we spoke earlier he should starting in the midfield alongside Vigo. Uh, Vigo's gotten a couple more games under his belt to to get familiar with JJ's tactics and to know exactly what it is that he that, that JJ demands out of that position. So there's definitely um, some positives to take here, Alfredo. Obviously, going into a game like this against Football de Porto, it's the same old conversation, right? Benfica needs to play with garra. Benfica needs to play with passion. Benfica needs to come out there and, you know, chew their heads off, right? I have this conversation with our good friend Hugo um, all the time. That he, you know, he, he thinks that Benfica should um, do the same things that, that Porto does us off the field, all the BS going on, that Benfica really needs to, to, to aggravate them and stuff. And, and I tend to concur to a certain extent. Obviously, I've had the conversation with him, and I told him that Benfica can't step down you know, to, to those levels because of what we what we stand for, what we were, um, you know, our club was built on, 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 you know, integrity and a lot of all that stuff that that, that Hugo um, <laughs> su suggests that Benfica should be doing the other way around. But it's it's the same old story as far as that. That's the same old story as far as if things have changed, Alfredo, yeah, on the field, things have changed. But the story off the field of of the aggression, of the, the the attitude, the passion, the the honor for the teacher. I think it's whether you know we could go into the to the Dragon on, on Friday and win ten zero. We're gonna have that same. I don't think it should change. I think Benfica still should be that adamant in demanding that we play with that same guy in the next game, right? It's Benfica should always have that same mentality against against a team like Football Club Porto. Porto has won the last four games they have played uh, Benfica. Uh, they would be going for an unprecedented fifth win in a row. Uh, Porto ha currently has the best attack in, in the league with 35 goals, uh, but they have they've allowed more 
uh, goals uh, than Benfica has with uh, with three more at home. Six wins, one loss. Um, in terms of absences, Fabio Vieira, Carrasa, Manafa, uh, all out with COVID. Otavio had an inconclusive test uh, today. Uh, take it for, for what it is, an inconclusive test. Uh, but he's also uh, in doubt. And on Befica's side, Servi and Gabriel uh, look to be uh, still with uh, with COVID as, of, as we record this. Um, Porto has won the last 10 games in, in domestic competitions, and the last loss was uh, at the end of October against Passos de Ferreira. Um, so for for a team who really hasn't uh, played a good showy good quality soccer uh, the consistency of of winning these games and the consistency of uh, getting the penalties called for them uh has really uh put them put them through uh in terms of where they stand right now in in the championship they stand second with the same points as Benfica but with more goals uh scored uh, they uh, they have the head-to-head uh, against Benfica. Uh, Benfica, three wins, one tie since losing to Porto in the Super Cup. Um, not a much different Benfica since the Super Cup. Uh, and again, not a lot of time has, uh, has elapsed since then. Uh, Seferovic, who played uh, 73 minutes against Strela, excuse me, most likely will not start this game. Um, and what else? I just I I don't know. I mean, the, we, the big the big piece is that Pizzi is 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 back, back compared to the the Super Tasa game, right? And luckily that we after that Super Tasa game we were getting, I think we had at least four or five positive COVID cases. So a lot of those players are uh, going to be recovered and able to play against Porto in this uh, this match minus Servi as of now in uh, Gabriel, but that can maybe changed by by Friday but I think Pizzi having Pizzi available in that midfield and not having to rely on a Tarapt and Weigel tandem in the in the midfield I think that's going to be the biggest difference compared to uh this Benfica and the Benfica that showed up at the two super Tasa. yeah Christina do you think that uh Sergio Conceição's words in terms of uh JJ said that you wanted to see JJ a little more alive you think uh JJ will go into the Dragon with, with, with something to, to prove against uh, Conceição? I think JJ should absolutely go into the Dragon with something to prove, but I don't think it should be uh, because of what Conceição said. I think Conceição is trying to play mind games. Um, he's trying to rile them up. And, and, you know, in years past, it was easy to do that. JJ now seems like the dude is just, you know, dead man walking. Yeah, whatever. Sidelines. Yeah, exactly. So, look, I, I think he does. Uh, he does need to go there with something to prove. I hope to see the same fiery JJ that we've all grown accustomed to seeing. Um, but you know, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just you start start thinking about all things that could go wrong, and it's just uh, I mean, do I really have trust that we're gonna see that all fiery JJ uh, based on what we've seen lately, guys? Does anybody here have uh, that optimism? Yeah, I I don't know, and it, uh, <laughs> they, I I have more optimism coming into this game than I did before the the super toss. So. JJ, I was talking about uh, JJ. JJ but... over there being a most his old self. That's what I was saying, not the game itself. I don't know about JJ. I don't know if he's if he's not getting all riled up because he know how he knows how fragile 
this uh, me- mentally this this team is. So I don't know if he wants to lay into these these prima donnas or the because he knows how how fragile these guys are. Maybe there's a madness or there's a science to his madness. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that there's not much for us to, to talk about that we haven't already said here a few weeks back when when we were preparing for the Super Cup. Um, attitude, uh, fearless, uh, and really believe in your talent and what you can do. Uh, I think that's how you have to uh, have to approach this game. Um you also your pride should be hurt uh, from the way you got beaten in a in a super cup. So uh, I think that if there's anything that you need to do, you need to reach that deep down inside and really uh, and really check to to see w- what kind of image you want to leave against this this Porto on this uh, on this uh, Friday after the super cup game. Uh, and I know that PT wasn't there, but nonetheless, most of the guys that are going to play. Uh, or were there uh, against the Super Cup. So I think that it's really up for to Benfica to uh, really to um, to win this game. So we don't have to say that Benfica is Porto's bitch. Uh, and I really didn't want to say that, but, you know, f- four straight wins and convincing wins, no less. Let's see what happens at the Dragão on this Friday. And I think that uh, it, it's going to tell a lot about this team and where this team is going to go. Um, after this game and the, the rest of the month of uh, of January, so we'll see. Um, any of you guys want to risk a prediction, or just or let's leave the the predictions for after the game. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna go with two to one. That's what I was gonna say. With Benfica a penalty way, for right? Benfica. No, you crazy penalty for Benfica. Two to one for Benfica. Two to one for Porto. If the referee calls a penalty, Mefica wins two to one on a penalty. The referee will have to move continents. <laughs> he has to move out of the continent. <laughs> he has to ask Elon Musk to put him in Mars. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so two one for Mefica or two one for Port? Uh, I think for right now, as things stand, I think I like to leave it at two to one. <laughs> but you say two Get to on one. The fence. So you know that's that's Porto. Porto, I know. Porto. Well, I know. But Alfredo, a lot of people don't know how that works. And you know, Portugal, the home team goes first. So we just look. Let them confuse themselves. Two to one. Two, I call the final score two to one. I'm just not decided. Uh, I, 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 I'm not. I, I haven't decided uh, to, to who I'm going to award the two yet. Yeah. Um. I think that the the biggest winner of this uh, of this weekend is going to be Sporting because I, I think it's going to be a two two uh, game at the at the Dragon. We'll we'll finally uh, put a stop to that uh, losing streak against Porto, and we'll uh, we'll we'll spare the points. Dave, I'm going I'm going one two for Benfica, and uh, I'm reading up on this game. Luis Gooding is going to be the uh, the man that's going to Mars because he is going to flip the script and give us our first penalty of the uh, the season this year. <laughs> You got a better chance of Canada winning the World Cup. Wait, we first got to qualify. Soccer? Oh, soccer in Qatar, the next World Cup in Qatar. It's this year, right? 2020. I'll keep forgetting. This is no, this, this year's zero still, and then next year oh, is 2022. Uh, whatever, it has me all messed up. Exactly. This year is still Euro. Then, yeah, yeah. But you got Any, a better chance of doing that. Yeah. Anyway, next week we'll uh, we'll be back. We'll uh, recap this Porto game. We'll look ahead to the 
the task of the Liga Final Four in which Benfica will play Braga on the 20th. That's uh, on a week from today as we record this. And then we'll have uh, on the weekend, we will have the final if Benfica wins the first game against uh, Braga, Braga, a Braga team that's been playing well. Alfredo, I'm going to tweet out that two to one, who I who I'm going to award the two for and obviously the loser. The Five one. minutes before the game or? Friday on the on the Benfica podcast Twitter account. Yes. All right. Make sure you put your initials. I don't want to be accused of anything. <laughs> People already accused Cristiano as a, a Porto uh, backer, right? Yeah. So Even when Cristiano's not tweeting off the Benfica podcast, he's getting accused of tweeting off the Benfica podcast. <laughs> hey, man, that's the that's that's the price you pay when you a world record uh, transfer. You know. Yeah. Gonna... <laughs> anyway. Um, at 10 CO10 at 87 DO87 is where you can find Cristiano and Dave on Twitter. Befica, at Befica Podcast, where you can find the, the podcast uh, Twitter. We're also on Facebook and Instagram and all that good stuff. Um, thank you very much for checking us out. As always, episode number 393 is what we just recapped. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Take care, everyone.